Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. My guest for this week is Talita Valman. Talita is a spiritual healing and health and wellness coach, pastor, author, and founder of the Time to Heal Coaching. She has years of experience in mentoring and counseling and provides tools and understanding to help her clients get a renewed sense of self by walking them through the healing processes. Talita was referred to me uh, by another guest as someone who might be a good guest on the podcast. And I am very, very thankful I listened to them and got in contact with her because she turned out to be an amazing guest. Now, this interview is going to be talking about a lot of things that a lot of people go through, but things that people are afraid to admit to, say out loud. So, she has a lot of things to say, and her story about how she found God was not easy. It was kind of complicated, but through it all, God still found her, and she was able to find God. So, without further ado, here is the interview that I did with Talita. Hello, Talita. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing awesome. And thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. I truly appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. (laughs) It's my pleasure. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to start with the question that I ask everybody. What was your childhood like? What was my childhood like? Um, I would say, honestly, it was really chaotic. Um, I come from a very broken home, but I was super blessed to have some wonderful grandparents that raised me. Um, My mom was just a young mom who uh, she was on drugs and everything like that. But she also was a very hard worker, but a party girl, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much. Um, And through that, I, you know, really had a tough time dealing with my emotions because I didn't have someone to really be there to give me that TLC that I needed. My father wasn't there either. Um, I actually didn't know who my biological father was until I was 13. Wow. Um, so the whole time up until that time, I thought someone else was my father and I was under that idea. And he kind of knew there's an inkling that he felt like this is not my child. So he kind he did a lot of you know, rejecting me. He rejected me a lot. And I didn't understand as a little girl, I'm like, why is this man, you know, his family embraced me, but he, we can't bond. Why are we not bonding? Um, so I found out at 13, like, oh, he's not my dad. That's what it is. And it was a complete shock. And so, um, my mom told me like kind of really candidly, just like, oh, Hey, just right away. That's probably not your dad. Like, wait, what's going on? And, um, I found out and I actually knew who, who the man was that was, you know, my father. 
and it was a, my babysitter's son. And I was like, okay, so this lady, Miss Virginia, she's not my, my, the babysitter, she's my grandmother. Right. So I found out who my father was and, you know, that was just a rough, my child was very rough, you know, like dealing with all of that, not identity issues, not knowing, you know, what's going on with being accepted and not accepted. And, um, just really trying to find myself, find my way, because when you're a child, you, you lean on the people who are your caretakers to pour into you a certain way and validate you. And I definitely lacked that validation, which later on was an issue in my, in my lifestyle as an adult. Wow. So let me ask you a quick question. So yes. once you found out who your father was, did he step up? Was he like a dad to you? Like, how did that work out? He was shocked. And I think okay. it was embarrassment. I come from a very small town in New Jersey and he was very, um, taken back because it was kind of a scandal because everybody knew each other. So it's an interesting story. Um, my, it's like, I call my family like the Brady Bunch. So my dad's dad um, got, started, he met my mom's mom and they already had kids, like the Brady Bunch. Like you already yeah. had their own set of kids and they came together and my parents come from that. So my mom's mom, my mom, you know, dated my dad and they were kind of together as almost like stepbrothers and sisters. Yeah. And so there was shame there. And so when he found out he was already in a relationship, he was married with other kids and he was very like, you know, just, I don't want to deal with this. So it was a double rejection for me. It was like, wow. now I found out you're my dad and now you don't want me either. <laughs> you know? Wow. So um, that was really tough. Yeah. That sounds like that had to be difficult. Was God yeah. a part of your life during that time? Did you guys go to church or what was that like for you? My grandmothers, my grandmothers, my grandmas, they always had me in the church. Even my grandmother, who I was from, the father, I call him my ex-father. That's the only way to put it. Yeah. It's weird, but that's the only way to put it. My ex, she kept me in the church. My my real grandmother kept me in my church. My great-grandmother kept me in the church. Mm -hmm. um, so as a little girl, I sang in the choir. I, I knew God very intimately at a very young age. Um, I used to tell my mom, am I adopted? She was like, why would you always say this? So I, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, because when I was upset and I would come home from school after being bullied, because I couldn't talk to my mom. We didn't have that that relationship. Yeah. And I would go in the room and cry and I would cry to God. Like, please God, yeah. I want to come home. Like, it was like, I already established God as father really young. And like, wow. I always felt displaced and like, I don't belong here. Like you put me in this weird family and mm -hmm. why am I here? And just beat me up, Scotty. Like, just take me out of here, you know? Like at yeah. a really young age, because at 13, I was very suicidal. I wanted to go, but God told me no. He said, you, the underdog, you're the underdog now, but God said, I'm going to use you when you get older. Mm -hmm. And the people that look down to you now will look up to you later. So it's not time to go. And that was a big part of my testimony, like saying, no, I'm going to stay. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. So when you were suicidal and everything, did anyone reach out to help you? Did they know? Did you tell anybody? I really didn't tell too many people, but my friends, my friends were like my family. Yeah. Um, I really didn't mention it until I was older that I was ready to take that step um, because I just didn't have that much of emotional support like that from right. family members per se. I mean, I would say my grandmother was very close. I could have told her, but it would have freaked her out. And so I just kept it to myself and it was really between me and God. And like, it was, I knew for sure it was the Lord speaking. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I'm just, I'll, I'll hear you. I'm not going to go. I'll stay. Well, it, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, especially like back in the day or whatever. It's like things mm -hmm. like that just wasn't talked about, you know, no. and like you said, your grandmother probably wouldn't have known what to do. 
And it was yeah. one of those things that was like taboo. You didn't talk about it, especially like in the black families and households. No one talked mm-hmm. about depression or anything. Everything was either swept under the rug or if you had a cousin, they'd be like, oh, that's a crazy cousin. But no one said he had a mental illness <laughs> or something was wrong, you know? It was just like, right. it was just disregarded, swept under the rug or beat out of you. So I understand exactly that whole situation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about your adolescence. What happened with that? So as I went on to be a teenager, I would say, and then up to my early 20s and stuff, it was very, um, the search was on for love. (laughs) Like, you know, just the classic cliche, like my parents weren't there for me and I need to go ahead and fill this void by any means necessary. And at that time, because I, you know, when I was younger, because my mom was a partier, she she, I was in a lot of situations where I was neglected and exposed to people. And because of that, I had to deal with the, by being a victim of a uh, molestation. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, I was introduced to sex very early. I was sexually active at 14. Um, I just started to fill that void. You know, I need a man, I need someone to love on me, but not just that. I also was curious about my sexuality and I was confused about, you know, do I like guys? Do I like girls? You know, and stuff like that. And as I got older, um, the pressure spiritually, you know, and demonically to me, um, there was pressure to go and seek this, this curiosity. And I did. And Mm -hmm. I, and as I got to be an adult in my twenties, I was like, I don't like men. I guess I was never meant to be there because if men broke my heart repeatedly, because it was always like hurt, hurt, hurt. So I'm like, it started with my father's and then now my boyfriend's breaking my heart. And then these other people are breaking my heart. I must not be for men. They're not for me. So I'm, yeah. I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it sounds like that was like a trauma kind of response. Cause I mean, yes, that's the only logical thing for a kid to think about, even as a teenager, because sometimes even then our minds are not fully developed and it's hard to right. understand and process things. I mean, even adults, we don't process things the best all the time. So no. just thinking about being a kid and all that stuff mm-hmm. happening, like I totally get that. I understand why you came to that conclusion because yep. that's all you saw and that's what happened to you. So I totally get that. Yes, it's true. And I just felt like, I just knew that um, I was like, you know, I just don't feel wanted by them. You know, there was no one to really give me a solid idea of what love was in a healthy way from a man's standpoint. And like you said, if you're in a situation, you try to draw conclusions to help you cope and Mm -hmm. help you survive. And that Mm -hmm. is basically a survival uh, mode, survival tactic against the trauma that you're receiving. Like, okay, in order for me to sustain, even if I have to take, make this thing up, I'm going to do that to survive. Mm -hmm. And so I can be here. And to me, that's what it was. It may not be everybody's story um, who has dealt with homosexuality and lesbianism. But for me, that was my story. I had, I knew that um, that's not really what I wanted back in the day when I was younger, but something in me was like, this is not for me. And when I received the love from a woman, I was like, wow, this is acceptance. These are my people, (laughs) you know, until God pulled me out of that. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about that. How did that all happen? Because I know sometimes if you're doing things for a long time, it makes you feel good and everything. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to leave that situation, even yes. if you feel like maybe this isn't the right thing, because it's just difficult. And people don't really think about it. But I mean, mm-hmm. if you're in a good situation, you're comfortable, it may not be the thing that you know you're not. It may be something you know you probably shouldn't be doing right now. Maybe you shouldn't yes. be doing it. But the whole thing is like, 
it was a safe place for you. And I was like, it, was. it seems like the first safe place that you've had. And based off of the emotions and everything that you've gone through, like, how did you get out of it? Like, how did you get? Yeah. What happened? Green. Yeah, it was very interesting. So I, at 18, I left the church and I left the church because I was raised like a Baptist, just different types of very religious churches. And mm -hmm. it was just fire and brimstone, you know, go to hell. And, and I was like, you know, I'm a very like black and white. I'm either in or I'm out type person. I get really convicted because I know God's real. Like as yeah. a little girl, I'm like, God, we talking. I know he's real. So either I'm going to turn up and do me. And that's what I did. So in my 20s, I just kind of explored that lifestyle. And at 25, the Lord spoke to me and I was still here, God, through it all. He said, move to Arizona. And my dad lived there. He offered for me to come to Arizona. And he um, was like, you know, I I was, and, but I also went to, yeah, he actually got remarried um, or his, they had their vows renewed rather. And when they got their vows renewed, his wife said, you can come and stay. You have no kids. Like just come out here. And I was like, well, I'll be here for seven days. Let me think about it. So on the seventh day, I heard the Lord say, come back. And you don't know how much longer you have with your dad. And that was weird because I'm like, my dad's super healthy. Like, there's nothing, you know, I don't see anything happening. But I heard this this in my spirit, like, go. And go now to go and get to know this man. So I, I took that leap of faith, which for me was a good because here in New Jersey, I had had a girlfriend. I had a really bad breakup. And I wanted to go out there. And I went out there and started dating. And I felt like I could be free. No judgment zone yeah. out there. Like, my dad's going to take it or leave it. You know, I'm in the lifestyle now. So I went out there, got to know my dad. He had to accept that lifestyle that I was having. And he was okay with it. I mean, he wasn't, but he showed he was. Yeah. And um, I would say about 28, maybe 28 or 29, I think it was 2011 or 2012, the Lord, I was in a relationship and I heard the voice of the Lord when I woke up and said, the wages of sin are death. And I was like, okay, every morning when I wake up, I hear the same thing. The wages of sin are death. And I was freaking out. And about, I would say the fourth or fifth day, I heard the Lord say, this relationship will be the death of you. Get out. Wow. And I was like, okay. And I was, the, the, my girlfriend was staying with me. She wasn't fully living with me, but she was staying. And I said, I, she wasn't a believer. I said, you have to go. Um, the, I, I, I hear this so strong. I, I don't feel like, I don't know if it's a spiritual death. I don't know what kind of death it is, but if it's a real physical death, I'm not trying to die yet. So you actually have to leave and take your stuff with you. And um, I felt like this shifting. It was uh, it was a 2012, I remember now. 2012, and I felt the Lord shifting me. And he was like, I'm calling you back because you've been in this too long. It's time to come out. And I was so afraid. And he just started stripping things out of me that I didn't want to do anymore. I was like, I don't want to drink anymore. I really don't want to do this anymore. And I was telling my friends in the gay community, I said, guys, that was my, I'm done. And they're like, whatever. You're like the gayest of the gayest. Like, you're not going anywhere. And I'm like, guys, no, I, I, you know, I think I'm going to, you know, head on out of this situation. And uh, one of my friends who's not even a Christ, uh, you know, Christian or anything, she was Catholic. She went to church with me because I was going through so many emotions. And then she got saved and we both were on this journey together. She was like, oh, my gosh, I know what you mean. Like, God is dealing with me, too. So, yes, he snatched me out and he there was no residue. I was I was got, I got tested a few times after because I started bringing people to the church yeah. for them to get delivered to. I wanted all my friends to get pulled out because a lot of them would secretly tell me that I was, you know, I'm gay because I was raped or I'm gay because this happened or, and I'm like, God, why are you, why you left me in this to hear their story so I can know what's going on and I can come and help deliver them. And what, and they secretly wanted to get out, but they were afraid of the, of the shame and all the persecution from that community.
Yeah. And that's what happened to me. I was in a cult, apparently. Jesus is a cult, apparently. And, you know, people were saying all kinds of crazy stuff about me. And I'm like, oh, my yeah. God, I lost so many friends. But to God be the glory, I was healed from those things. But, yes, he snatched me out and warned me that I would not live. See, I was like, one of, I love your story because, you know, so many people, I know when I was a kid, I was always told, well, if you're doing something wrong, God just will speak to you. And it never made sense to me. I'm just like, why? Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, you know, God would always speak to me whether I was doing something right or right? when I was doing something wrong. When I was doing something wrong, he was like, Kiana, no, you should not be doing that. Right. I remember so many times I went to clubs and I was like, I'm going to do my own thing. They be playing gospel music. And I was like, why? What is going on? It's like, I just can't get away from it. So I love your story, especially when you talk about how even throughout those years, God just never stopped speaking. And I just think no. it goes to show that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, God's always going to come after us because he's like, still here, may not be listening right now, but I want to talk to you. I'm still going to leave. I'm not going to leave you alone. I absolutely No, I'm his that. child. I've always yeah. been. And I, and I knew that he even told me when I moved to, before I moved to Arizona, he said, you're, you're searching for this relationship with your father. When I was 13, he told me this. Because he was trying to help, like, soothe me in the area of my brokenness. Like, I got rejected by him, and now he doesn't want me. God, I don't want to be here. He said, you're going to be, there's going to be a time, and you're going to talk to him, and you're going to bond with him. But remember, I'm Abba, and you will never have the closeness that you think you're going to have. It's always going to be for me. But I will give you that. And you will. And it was true. And when I moved here, I mean, to Arizona, rather, because I'm back in Jersey right now. Yeah. Um, I went out there, and four years, four or five years after I got there, he got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And he just passed last year and I got five, he stayed alive for five years, but mm-hmm. I was like, wow, God, this is why you wanted me to come. Now mm-hmm. you told me and to, in that time, come to Arizona. You do not have that much time as you think you do. And we bonded and we were close like this in the Lord. So that was really awesome. God is so faithful. Absolutely. That's amazing. So what brought you back to New Jersey? Um, well, after he died, I just felt like a sense of, I was in ministry in Arizona. Um, I was pastoring out there. I stepped down in 2020 because the grief was just, ugh, it was a lot. And so um, the Lord called me back here because he wanted me to get some things together with my little girl issues. He said, yeah. your ministry is is blocked because where you are the next level because the little girl in you has to be, you got to be dealing with that stuff. Right. So I came back home. And me and my mom had to work through our issues and I had to deal with my daddy. My ex-father lives here, lives like five minutes down the road. I ran into mm-hmm. him. There were so many old wounds that I thought mm-hmm. was done. And he said, no, I need you to go back, actually be reinflicted, so you can overcome because you have the tools now. Right. And now I'm going back to Arizona. So in a very short time, I will be going back to continue on. <laughs> wow and see the thing that is so true though because so many mm-hmm. times it's like we want to do things mm-hmm. but uh, there's some of the things that happen to you when you're a kid or whatever and if it if you don't work on it then or if people don't get you counseling or whatever it's like yes. it doesn't go away it's just no. stays dormant that's it and then when you get older you wonder why you're having all these issues it's like well it's because of things that happen to you in your childhood and you don't even seem to realize it no. and i like how god was a- how god is able to heal us from those things and put you in the right place with the right people because he knows we need to get over these things so i think that is Absolutely. awesome it was and i did i got went through so much deliverance you know we i worked very strongly in a deliverance ministry that's what i do that's my forte 
um, you know, which all Christians should do deliverance, but God has given me a special anointing to do that in a different way. And I, I really embraced it. That's all I wanted because I wanted to break the generational curses of my family and I wanted to go ahead and create a new legacy. But God was, he's very strategic. You know, if we really have ears to hear, he's very strategic. He'll be like, listen, you're going back here. And I'm like, I, I told everyone I'm never coming back to New Jersey. And I tell people, stop saying the word never because I promise every time I've said it, he's taken that same never and made me do that thing. Yeah. So that's just something I always tell people. It's like, don't use that word, bad word, bad word. <laughs> So I, I came back to Jersey. I said, I will never be back here. But I was like, oh, okay, God, I'm thinking to come back to grieve and spend time. But I really came back because my little girl issues and, and I thought I had dealt with them, but you needed right. to break that part of me so I can truly walk in this confidence that you need me to walk in, this Godfidence that you need me to walk in so I can go on to the next level of my ministry. And I'm so thankful. It hurts so much. I mean, no one wants to deal with that kind of stuff, especially no. that deep stuff, that icky stuff, you know? But I'm so yeah. blessed and thankful for it because I would not be the woman that I am today. I feel so full of joy and I feel so much peace. And I'm just so, I know my God, my daddy's okay. He's in the hands of our father um, in heaven. And I'm just so blessed by it. But God is faithful. He uses all those things that were crazy for the good. Every yes, time. Yes, he does. Yes, Every he time. does. <laughs> so I know that you are a health and healing coach. How yes. did you get into that and tell me a little bit more about what you do in that area? Yes. Okay, awesome. Actually, so in January, um, I was I had got got to my maximum weight okay I was um at 303 and I was like okay today I can't breathe I just feel so uncomfortable and you know the Lord has definitely been dealing with me he said you know for the call I need your body to be in a better place right. you know you're a medication I want you to be off of it you got to do the physical work so I finally said I'm not gonna be a victim anymore because if I make excuses I'm being a victim I have to be victorious I gotta pick one which one you want to do so I said, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be victorious. So I decided to join this plan and it was a program that has a health coach and um, the health coach began to help me pick out the perfect program that I can um, do that fits my body. And I started it and I love, I loved it so much. I went 40 pounds down. So I'm so thankful for that. I got like 45 more to go, um, but it feels so good to take back charge of this body of mine, especially when it's been a very big stress in my life, all my life. I've always been the big girl. I've always been the chubby one. And I've learned to love myself, but it's not about that. It's about feeling good yeah. and treating our body good from the inside out. It's a spiritual thing. And it's also respect for what God has given us. And, and when he talked to me about that, I said, God, I just want to honor what you've given me. This is what you give me to be on this earth. Um, so now I help other people and I have clients that are, you know, finding their way and getting their mind together because it's a mind shift too. Um, and so they can love on themselves and finally accomplish their goals. So that's how I got into it. I have a passion for that. I like that. And it is true. And it, I tell everyone, the pandemic did us all no favors because all we all did was stay in the house and eat because yes. like, we I discovered lost... Postmates and DoorDash. Exactly. Like I had, <laughs> I had lost some weight before the pandemic and I was going down to my weight I wanted to go to and then it happened and then I started to gain weight again. So now I'm back at the gym because I'm just like, no, this is not how this is going to work. Right. Exactly. You, you do feel so much better though when you exercise and when your mind is right. And I tell everyone, 
even if you're not trying to lose weight, just be healthy. And being healthy requires you to exercise and to eat right just so you can be healthy. Because I know some people are just like, well, I'm not trying to lose weight. And I'm like, well, that's not that's not what exercise is for. It's to help you feel better. It's to help yeah. your body. It's helping your mind. You know, when people exercise, they're less depressed. They have more energy. It's just amazing how exercise can do so many things for you than if you don't exercise. So I love what you just said. Thank you. It does. It really gets your mind together. It releases all of those feel good hormones. Yeah. We need all that in our body. Um, but with the coaching too, that also helped me birth my time to heal coaching as well. Um, so I also do um, healing coaching where I help people who are ready to get healing. And the reason why it's coaching, not counseling, because I can do that too. But God really called me to coach. He yeah. said, I need you to help people that are ready for healing. And so what I do is I walk you through different phases of the healing process and hold you accountable to get from one place to the other. Because a lot of times when we're trying to heal on our own with no accountability, no one around, you can give up on yourself sure, because yeah. healing hurts. It hurts. You have to face things. You got to talk about things. You got to cry some things out. And if you're used to being a stuffer, like most people are, they suppress their stuff. Yeah. You don't have someone to say, Hey, hold on. We got to get that forgiveness list going. Let's get it going. And so that's what I, I love. That's what birthed it. So together, the, I'm health and healing mm -hmm. coaching because I understand how important it is for us to heal and get to the other side. Mm -hmm. Or it'll take us years to get there. Something that could take a few months to get to, we'll be stuck in the same phase for years. You know? So mm -hmm. That is so true. So what would you tell someone who's actively looking for God? What type of advice would you give them? Mm, that's actively searching for God. I would mm -hmm. say to just start talking to God and ask him to reveal himself. Um, as I'm, I'm not an evangelist by any means. I, I don't think I'm really good at going out there and grabbing people. I'm like more like, you know, just in conversation, but I've always told people pray for an encounter. If you, you know, try Jesus, say, Lord, show yourself mm -hmm. to me, reveal yourself to me, because it's one thing to hear about it, but it's another thing to actually have an encounter and an experience with God. That's something no one can take from you. That's the thing that's going to shake you to your core. And because it's the presence of God that changes us, nothing else. That's it's true. his spirit. It's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. So I always ask people to ask for the spirit of God to prove himself, which he will immediately to you. And you'll be forever changed. You're going to be like, okay, this is what I need. This is a part of who I am because this is my DNA. He made me. Right. You will feel the familiarity of finding your home and God is our home. And so that's what I always say to people. I'm not trying to preach your head off. No, I just pray for you to have an encounter. And if I'm, if I'm the Lord's prophesying and he's showing me a word, I'm going to prophesy to you. And that's an encounter because that's his voice speaking. So that's usually how I would say something to someone about that. I like that. And it is true. Like when you ask God to give you an experience with him or an encounter, he always does. It's like, yeah. even if, it, whether it's big or small, you know that he answered yes. your prayers and that that was yes. God. You always know that. So I you have, you're like that. You can't help but give him the glory, whether you're like a believer or not. You're like, okay, this was definitely something that, because everything he does, he doesn't do it according to our expectations right. always exceedingly abundantly you know and if it's god it's gonna scare us it's gonna be like radical it's gonna be outside the box so i always ask god like just do something radical you know for the religious folk you know because they be stuck you know? and it's like <laughs> you know you're in the church and you've been doing the same thing all the time and it's like no god is bigger than all of that come yes. on y'all come on that is so true and i think sometimes we 
when we are stuck and we just think God is only in the church and he only answers a certain way or he'll only answer yes. you if you do certain things. I'm like, we are just putting God in a box. Like God can talk yes. to us whether we want to hear from him or not, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're an atheist, like regardless of where you are, what you're doing, God mm-hmm. can always talk to us. He can get through to us yes. because he knows us. And so that's why when people are like, well, if you want to be saved and hear the word of God, you got to be here. You got to do that. I'm like, nope, you don't. Cause God talks to me all the time, whether I'm riding my car, in my kitchen, yep. <laughs> like no matter where I am, Amen. I him all the time. So and yeah. then I rededicated my life. Like I was in the mall on my birthday, like literally walking through the mall and I had my headphones on and God was just speaking to me and I was just crying. I'm like, oh my God, people are going weird. I'm like crying through the mall. Like he just, seriously, like a lot of my greatest encounters were not in the church. They were on the floor when God was knocking me out on the floor while I'm in prayer. And I'm just like, oh, crying out to God and having these uh, crazy encounters, these amazing um, just heavenly encounters with God. I, they were in my privacy with me and him, mm-hmm. you know? So I tell people all the time, it's not that it's a heart posture, yeah. position and posture your heart. God will see that that's what he sees. The man sees the outer, but God sees the inner. And as long as you position your heart for him and you call on his name, he will answer. Absolutely. And so that's who he is. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Body God podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. It has been great. You are welcome. Wow, what an amazing interview. I especially love how Talita talks about how she went years not listening to God, not talking to him, but how God was always talking to her. And even when she was doing things she knew she probably shouldn't do, God never left her and how she talked to God and how she spent time with God, even though she decided she wanted to let go of Christianity for a minute, just so she could fully do what she wanted to do. God never left her, and I love that. I cannot reiterate how many times I've heard people say things like, well, you know, if you're not doing the right thing, God's just going to leave you. He's not going to go after you. He's not going to look for you, which is totally opposite and contradicts what the Bible says. God will search for us. He will go with us. He will find us. And that's the wonderful thing about God. Like, if you're in a situation now where you know you're not doing everything you should do, Don't give up on God. He is still out there. He's looking for you. He is just waiting for you to say, hey, God, you know, come into my life. Talk to him about anything. And it doesn't even have to be a come into my life kind of moment. It could be one of frustration. Like, God, why is this happening? Why did you let this happen? I feel upset. I feel frustrated. I feel angry. I notice that when I talk to God and I tell God how I feel, God answers me and it helps me to get some kind of clarity and perspective on what I'm dealing with, how I'm feeling and let God know because sometimes we have all these scripted prayers. It's easy to have the scripted prayers that we've had from the time we were a kid. Bless the world, bless us, bless, you know, whatever we say that was scripted. But when you're real with God and you're talking to him, like you're talking to a friend one-on-one, telling them what's going on and how you're feeling about the situation, believe me, God hears you and he listens. There is no right way to pray. There's no wrong way to pray. Just talk to God. Prayer is talking to God. So however it comes out, whatever you say, just talk to him. God is listening. Now our artist of the week is Gracie Cherry. And we are going to be listening to her single, More Than Enough.
Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I would also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Talita, Gracie Cherry, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes, and all you have to do is click on the links below, and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest, and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. I'm winning. Can't tell me